Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney, the host of How They Love Mary. Many of you know of my great love for sock religious. During the month of January, on January 28th, we celebrate the memorial of St. Thomas Aquinas, who is one of the greatest thinkers in all of Catholicism. He gave us a multi-volume Summa Theologiae, which has been used by academic theologians for years. He gave us the five proofs of God's existence. He wrote the hymns for Corpus Christi. And now you can honor St. Thomas Aquinas on your feet, because sock religious have a wonderful sock of St. Thomas Aquinas. On the bottom of the foot, it says, Non nisi te domine. Nothing but you, Lord, recalling that prayerful moment St. Thomas Aquinas had before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. I hope you'll head over to Sock Religious by using the link in the show notes and get your pair of St. Thomas Aquinas socks so you can celebrate his feast day in style. Now on with today's show. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. We are now in the new year of grace, 2022. We rang it in just a few days ago, and you've already made your resolutions, but I think in the spiritual life, it's always good for us at the beginning of the year, just as we'll do again at the season of Lent, to examine our prayer life. And to say, how is it that I can pray better? Or how can I pray more? How can I incorporate God into my life on a more regular basis? I've talked with other authors about prayer, and today I'm very excited to be speaking with Barb Shishkevich, who is a wife, a mom, a secular Franciscan. She's an editor at the CatholicMom.com website, and she's also an author, and I know that she's a member of the Catholic Writers Guild as well, because I've met her at some of those functions. And so I'm very happy she agreed to speak with me today about prayer and how we can look at prayer in a new way in 2020. And she's the author of The Handy Little Guide to Prayer from OSV, which I think makes her a great guest to talk about this today. So welcome, Barb. Thank you very much, Father Edward. Well, it's great to have you. And we've met in person a few times. And so you are the author of The Handy Little Guide to Prayer. And a few years ago, I would even say now, I'd have to go back and look for the episode number, but I interviewed Michelle Schroeder who wrote some handy little guides to different topics. And in fact, that's how this little series kind of got started, was by her writing. And then they've continued to develop it, that Michael Heinlein did a handy little guide to spiritual communion, because we know so many people last year, or in 2021, yes, uh, and 2020, were making spiritual communions because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And now, continuing the line, it's very appropriate to focus on prayer, because of course, as a priest, I'm always encouraging people to pray. And there are very standard prayers that we learn as a young person growing up. We memorize the Our Father and the Hail Mary and the Glory Be and maybe the Angel of God and a few other prayers in there. And so that's our beginning relationship with prayer. But if we never go beyond that, 
well, then I think we're doing ourselves a very strong disservice. But maybe before we get into the meat about prayer, how was it that you first learned how to pray, Barb? The first prayer I remember learning is the angel of God prayer that that our parents would, you know, pray with us every night at bedtime. Um, that was that was the prayer that we all prayed together before we went to sleep. Um, and we also began praying um, grace before meals together as a family. Um, so those are the first prayers that I remember praying as a kid. And those are prayers that you pray together as a family. And, you know, I love to envision families at nighttime kneeling beside the bedside of their child and leading them in prayer. That's always kind of like my romantic vision I have in my head as a priest that my families and my parish are doing that. So so those are the very first prayers. And those are prayers I think that young people will continue to say throughout their life so many times, you know, you will pray the bless us, O Lord prayer. And so it's just a reminder for us to give thanks to God for as many blessings I was just at a Christmas luncheon at a family's home. They had some of their family over, and I went, and one of their grandchildren volunteered to lead Grace. And she didn't just start with, bless us, O Lord, but she actually led a spontaneous prayer. And it was very beautiful, and I was very proud of that young girl that she was able to do that, that she had the courage to do it. And so that just shows that her parents really were forming her in how to pray and modeling it for because she would have had that model from someone else that she learned it from. So I'm assuming too that maybe there were other models of people in your life that maybe taught you how to pray as well. Would that be a fair assumption? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, besides my parents, we were very close to our, our grandmothers. Our Both of my grandfathers died this summer. I turned five, but my grandmothers... Um, lived until I was an adult and so we were very close with them and both of them had a very deep prayer life and they they did to themselves um I, I remember countless times going to one of my grandmother's homes and we had a key so we would just let ourselves in and say hey we're here and she would be in the kitchen and she would just say I'm saying my prayers and we would just go to the other room and wait until she was done um, because that was that was how that was and she'd be in the kitchen with her rosary and her she would have her holy cards with prayers that she would pray every day and that was her routine and if you showed up in the middle of it you were expected to wait until she was finished um, and so that was a demonstration of how important prayer was to her not that we were not important but that you know, unless it was an emergency, we could we could wait, and um, that it was important to give God that time that she had dedicated for that. Now, you are a wife and a mother, and so I'm assuming in your own family life, then, you've developed a family prayer life. What does that look like? We, we always had um, prayer time at bedtime with the kids, and a lot of that was really my husband because I was with the kids all day. And so bedtime was kind of his time that he would um, read them a chapter from Winnie the Pooh and maybe some other storybook. And then he would say bedtime prayers with them. And that was, that was important to him to do. 
Um, and he would, he taught them how to pray the angel of God prayer. And he also had um, a little prayer that they would pray together, um, thanking God for the food they had to eat and a place to sleep. And um, that they would love, continue to love God as they grew up. And then there was the whole litany of God bless, you know, the various family members that you would always want to, you know, remember in your prayers. So that was the, that was the bedtime prayer routine that was done with our kids throughout their childhood. And, you know, grace before meals, that was always, always important. There's another family's house that I go to, and before they eat, of course, they do bless us, O Lord. But then they go and they say, God bless, and they go through all of the people that in these children's lives that they've lost. So they lost an uncle, they lost a great-grandparent, they, you know, the list goes on. And so over the years, as I've been going to this family's house for family celebrations, the list has gotten longer and longer. And they just haven't memorized. God bless. And they go through the whole list. And then they say, let's eat. And it's just very cute, uh, the way that they do it. And, you know, for them, they're incorporating the fact, well, these people have died. And so now they're at God's table in the kingdom of heaven. And so, so just as we join in a meal, we're inviting them in some way, remembering them at this time as we join in a meal at our earthly table. So I've always found it to be a, a cute little gesture that their family did. And it all started with, some sudden deaths and and a long death in their family um, once the person finally passed. So uh, there's always these little family traditions of prayer that are always so beautiful to share and to see uh, lived out by families. One of the things that we do in our life is that we continue to learn how to pray. So once we learn the Our Father and the Hail Mary and the Glory Be, well then, somebody might teach us the rosary and we're going to start learning how to pray the rosary and maybe somebody at church teaches us or however it happens. But that's another way that we learn how to pray. We learn new forms of prayer. I'm curious in your own life then, how have you continued to learn how to pray throughout your many years? I began praying the liturgy of the hours sporadically in college because of bunch of my friends decided that they wanted to learn it and I wanted to learn it too. Um, they had been, you know, introduced to us during campus ministry retreats and other events like that. And, um, and our parish, uh, the college chapel had a um, benediction every Sunday night with night prayer. And so we, we kind of got hooked on that. And I remember saving up my spending money, which I didn't have a lot of as a college student, to buy that, that one volume in prayer book. And I mean, I wasn't great about doing that every day, but it, it was a part of my life during college. And then when I became um, a secular Franciscan, that became a daily discipline because we do pray morning and evening prayer every day. And during the pandemic, my husband decided that he wanted to learn the Liturgy of the Hours as well. So he got his own book, and we pray evening prayer together every day. Well, that's very beautiful. And you became a secular Franciscan, and so I'm assuming that the Liturgy of the Hours is somehow a part of that life as a secular Franciscan. Is that right? 
Yes. Um, secular Franciscans pray the morning and evening prayer of liturgy, the hours. Um, if you want to pray other hours, of course, you're welcome to do that. But um, morning and evening prayer are a part of, of what we do as our prayer life. So today then, as you pray the Liturgy of the Hours, there are other methods I'm sure that you're employing. And I think too, one of the things it's always good to mention is that the Mass, every time we go to Mass, that's also a prayer. So we begin with the sign of the cross. We give glory to God in the highest. We confess our sins. We have prayers of intercession. We give thanks to God. So the Mass is also a form of prayer. It's probably the highest prayer the church would say that we have. But as you pray then, as you pray with the Mass, as you pray with the Liturgy of the Hours, are there any other ways, maybe a favorite way? Maybe the Liturgy of the Hours is your favorite way to pray, but is there a favorite particular prayer of yours? Um, the Liturgy of the Hours definitely is is among my favorites. I, I think because it's based on the Psalms, and those are songs. Um, and I'm a musician at church, so songs are... Um, they're, they're kind of central to part of how I pray. Singing at Mass is a wonderful way to pray. Even if you're, you know, in the pew, you don't have to be in the choir to sing at Mass. Um, but since the Psalms are songs, and they, they appeal to me in that way. Um, so, you know, that is, is, um, is very important to me and has been for 40 years. Um, that I've been praying by singing at church. Um, I have a weekly adoration hour, and that's kind of a mix. Like, I don't do the same, I don't pray the same way every week when I go to adoration. It's, um, it could be anything from just, you know, sitting in the, in the quiet chapel to praying a rosary or a Franciscan crown rosary or doing some spiritual reading or writing in a journal. could be anything. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of okay. Just sort of whatever I feel like I need to do at that time. Explain to us what the Franciscan Crown Rosary is. I've talked about it with other guests, but, you know, sometimes what happens with podcasts is that, you know, I talked about that on, let's say, episode 60. I just made up a number. But then, you know, you have someone who's just starting to listen to the podcast, so they might not know what the Franciscan Crown is. The Franciscan Crown is a seven-decade rosary, and it it is based on the joys of Mary, the um People are familiar with the seven sorrows of Mary, but there are also the seven joys of Mary. And so the Franciscan covers those um, joys. And you pray you pray in a very similar way to a regular rosary with the ten Hail Marys and the one Our Father and one Glory Be per decade. Um, the end of it is a little bit different. You, you don't start on the tail of the rosary. You finish there um, with two more Hail Marys and then... And our Father, Hail Mary, and glory be for the in, for the intentions of the Holy Father. Okay. If someone wants to learn how to pray, let's say they've just been praying the standard meal prayer, our Father, they've never really gone deeper in their prayer life, what's some advice you would give them? I would say open your Bible. Um, maybe read the daily Mass readings or one of the daily Mass readings, maybe 
the gospel. It doesn't take very long, and you can spend as much as you want or have, you know, just meditating on, on what God has to tell you in, in that short reading. Or, um, you know, choose a book of the Bible and read a chapter every day and pray about what you're reading. I think the best thing to remember is that you should try to ease in. You don't want to choose a giant I'm going to do this for two hours a day kind of thing. You need to look at the time and space you have um, and, and go with something doable because you can always add more later. And you mentioned praying with the Bible. So in our Catholic tradition, we'd call that Lexio Divina, in which we really read one of those passages and we say, well, what is speaking to me in this passage today? And how did a word? Did that make me think of something? And so you just kind of dwell on that. And the other thing is, is you're the editor of CatholicMom.com and CatholicMom.com, yes, a resource for Catholic moms, but also utilized by by me and other husbands and fathers and such, because you have a daily mass reflection, a daily gospel reflection. So how can people find those gospel reflections because that might be a way for them to begin to read the daily gospel at Mass and then begin to pray with the scriptures. Yes, you can go to catholicmom.com and at the top of the page there's a, a tab that says daily prayers. And it's the daily gospel reflections. There's a place to sign up so you can get them in your email if you want them that way. And um, each of them includes a link to the readings at the United States Catholic Bishop's website, and then it contains a meditation about those readings that's written by um, part of our team. I think we have about 90 people on the team for 2022 who participated in writing these reflections with us, and we're always grateful for all the writers who share, because it's different every day. You hear a different voice every day, so that's really a beautiful gift. Yes, and I happily contributed four of them, uh, and so you'll see those coming out. Well, great. So you wrote this Handy Guide to Prayer, the Little Handy Guide to Prayer, published by OSV. It's part of this little series that they've been running. If someone picks up your book, because maybe a primer on prayer, someone reading about prayer, that's going to help them decide that they want to take prayer more seriously— what will they find in your little handy guide? Um, this guidebook has, um, it's, it's divided into the questions. Chapter headings are questions. Um, who should pray? What is prayer? How do I pray? Um, what can we learn about prayer from the scriptures and the saints? When and where? Um should I pray? And then at the end of the book, there's a what if section, which is kind of like a troubleshooting section. What if I get distracted or what if I don't feel like praying today or what if I don't get an answer? And what if I try to pray in a certain way, but it doesn't work for me? So, you know, I kind of go through some of the pitfalls that you can run into when you're praying. And I think no matter how many years you have been praying and, and how experienced you might be at praying, sometimes you run into these these different things. Um, and it's good to just 
be able to take a step back and try something different. One of the things you mentioned in one of the chapter headings is, you know, learning how to pray from the scriptures or learning how to pray from the saints. And I think those are some of the most beautiful things is that, especially in prayer books, when someone has written a prayer, well, they're teaching us the language of prayer. Go to the Gospels. Well, Jesus teaches us the Our Father, yes. But then Jesus prays. He gives us an example that he goes off and he prays in quiet and in solitude. So he makes prayer a priority. So that's one thing that Jesus does in the Gospels. But if you go to the Gospel of St. John, to the agony in the garden, we have this big, long prayer. We call it the high priest prayer of Jesus. But it's him talking to his Father in heaven. And we see how Jesus is praying And even the Blessed Mother, she gives us an example in the Gospels with the Magnificat, for example. And so she teaches us that our soul should magnify the Lord and that, you know, and to recount what God has done for us. Kind of our own Magnificat would be, well, this is what God has done for me, just as Mary recognizes what God has done for her and for all of the people of Israel. And then you have the saints, So when we pray a prayer that St. Thomas Aquinas wrote or St. Bonaventure, I'm thinking of their prayers after Holy Communion, well, they're giving us a language. They're teaching us how to pray so that if I don't know how to pray, well, they're going to show me and then I'm going to then learn how to pray on my own. It gives me a vocabulary. It gives me the words then to be able to pray without their prayer. And so that's what I think is so valuable about prayer books. And as you mentioned, you know, looking to the Gospels, looking to the saints, and seeing how it is that they themselves prayed. Yeah, you can use their words as a a place to jump off. You don't have to be tied to them. But if you don't feel like you have the words on your own, um, there is absolutely nothing wrong with, you know, using those words that, that holy people have, you know, already shared. One of the things we hear in St. Paul's letter is he encourages us to pray without ceasing. So how do we live such a high task to make our very life a prayer? It doesn't have to be complicated. Um, one of the one of the easy ways, and this was this is a, a an idea that was given given to me by a priest in confession, that you, you put a rosary in your pocket. And even if you're not going to be praying the rosary specifically, when you notice that rosary in your pocket, just pray a Hail Mary. And each day, make a, you know, a dedication that today's pocket rosary is going to be for a particular intention. Sure. That's a beautiful sentiment. You know, sometimes I remember John Paul II saying, holding the rosary is like holding the hand of your mother in heaven, you know, for example. So... Um, I think, too, you know, by the very fact that we intentionally offer the day, so a lot of people do a morning offering. So when we make that morning offering, it's us saying, I give this day to you, God. May every word, everything I do, may it be for your honor and for your glory. One of the things you mentioned about your handy little guide to prayer is that at the very end, you have kind of these troubleshooting questions. And so there are going to be moments in our life where we won't have the words to pray, If I experienced the death of a loved one, and maybe it was very tragic, maybe they died in a car accident, maybe I watched them suffer for months with cancer, well, I might not have the words to pray in that moment, 
But again, St. Paul teaches us that it is the Holy Spirit that prays in us and with us and through us, that the Holy Spirit prays with inexpressible groaning. So I think in that troubleshooting section in our prayer, if I don't know how to pray, well, then ask the Holy Spirit to help you to pray, to give you the words, or to pray even on your behalf. I also think in those times, using a formal prayer can be very helpful. You know, you don't have the words, but you could still pray a Divine Mercy Chaplet or just say to God, I, I don't know what to say right now. I just, I don't know how to pray right now. And then just, you know, use something formal that's already set for you. And sometimes that can quiet your mind. And then, then you find that you, you do have the words. Maybe one last thing about prayer and our troubleshooting of prayer is that we know the story of Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of Calcutta, that for years she didn't feel the closeness or the nearness of God. But yet every day she went to the chapel, every day she prayed for an hour, even though she was in what we would call spiritual dryness, she was in the desert, maybe we would call it a dark night of the soul even, that she was undergoing. And so I think for everybody it's to realize that there are going to be moments in my life where I feel very close to God, and whenever I pray to Him, I feel good, and I know that God is giving me something and realize that. And so that's what we call consolation. But then there are going to be these other moments in our life where we're going to be praying and we're going to say, God, where are you? Why aren't you with me? And so, you know, that's desolation, that's darkness, that's dryness, as I mentioned, all those things. What's your encouragement to someone maybe in that dry spell, in that dark spell in their own personal prayer life? Yeah, it's going to happen. Um, and it does not mean that God doesn't hear you or that God doesn't love you or that God isn't answering you. Um, and it doesn't mean that you prayed the wrong way. Um, it's it's never wrong to bring your concerns to God, but he doesn't always answer us the way we expect, and we don't always get that feeling of being answered. Um, so you're not alone, and the saints who have, you know, written about their time, they've experienced that. Um, they, they all agree that the best thing to do is just to persevere, not to become discouraged. Maybe ask someone to pray for you and say that you're starting to feel, you know, in a time of desolation and, and would someone pray for you? And sometimes that will also help. And that's a great suggestion, you know, and, and that's talking about another form of prayer, intercessory prayer, that I go to my brother or my sister, my friend, and I say, hey, can you pray for me? I'm just going through a, a difficult moment right now. And maybe you don't have to tell them it's about prayer. You can if you want, if they're spiritual. But just ask them to pray for you, and they're going to do that. And just as they pray for you, then we can ask the saints to pray for us and to help us. So there, that's one of those forms of prayer, intercessory prayer, and many other forms as well that we know of. One of the things I wrote about in my book, A Lenten Journey with Mother Mary, is like, how do we approach prayer? And like, we just have to believe that God is there, God is hearing my prayer, that God cares. You know, so like sometimes we approach God and maybe we don't have that confidence that God even is listening. And so we need to have that faith. We need to have that confidence 
um, that God is there. And, and we give him that time in our life. And we know that when we give that time to God, it'll never be wasted because it's doing something for us every time we approach him in prayer. So I think your handy guide to prayer, which has already been a success, helping many people, will continue to help people in the new year, especially as they make their New Year's resolutions regarding their life. And hopefully they'll add, I want to get to know God better, and I want to do that through prayer. How can people get a copy, then, of A Handy Little Guide to Prayer, Barb? Um, the book is published by our Sunday visitor, so it's available at osbcatholicbooks.com, but it's also on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Bookshop, and any other place where you can get books, or you can check in at your Catholic bookstore, your local store, and ask them to order it if they don't carry it. That's great. I always recommend going to your local Catholic bookstore. The one in Green Bay just had their anniversary. Uh, I think they've been serving the people in this area for 75 years. And it's just an encouragement always to go there, keep their lights on. For me, I, I always tell this story, and I've probably told it 100 times, but I was um, at an event. I wanted to get a book. I wanted to start reading it right away. I didn't want to wait two days for the Amazon Prime. I wanted it right away. So I stopped at the Catholic bookstore, and lo and behold, they had it. And so instead of waiting two days, I was able to begin reading right away. And so, you know, it's the sense of it's already there. So why not go support them? Well, Barb, I'd like to thank you so much for joining me. And I also know that you have a website and people can check you out. So how can they do that online and on social media? Um, thanks for having me today. My website is franciscanmom.com and on um, social media, I'm Franciscan Mom. Wonderful. And that way, no one has to spell my name that way. That's right. Shushkevich. <laughs> now, one of the things, too, I think I think you do this on on franciscanmom.com. Don't you post like a recipe for Fridays, like a meatless Friday every Friday throughout the year? Oh, that's a Catholic mom. We share those. Um, okay. A bunch of them are mine. But, um, yeah, I do have a recipe website, which is linked on franciscanmom.com. Dot com, but it has more recipes besides just meatless. Okay, yeah. But yeah, I'll, Catholic Mom has meatless Friday every single Friday. Wonderful. Yeah, I'll have to check out your website because obviously in the new year, the resolution is always to eat better and to make more home-cooked meals. And so it's always good to have uh, tried and tested meals that people like yourself put out. So well, thanks so much again for our conversation today about prayer, and I encourage everybody to get a handy guide to prayer by Barb from OSV and to give prayer priority in your new year in 2022. God bless. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. I really hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you'd like to follow me on social media, I'd encourage you to do so. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at the handle at FR Edward Looney. You can visit my website, edwardlooney.com, to learn more about my books and to acquire them from the publisher. And if you have enjoyed the podcast, please do me a favor and review the podcast. Rate it on Apple Podcasts and write a review because that will help others to find it as well. Until next time, may we remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.